Matthew chapter number 2, once again tonight, we'll look at the same passage of Scripture, and it will go a little beyond that this evening, but Matthew chapter number 2, same place we were uh, this morning, and look forward to uh, what the Lord has for us tonight. And uh, I'm glad I know who Jesus is, aren't you? And I don't just know who He is, I know Him personally. Uh, And that's what a wonderful, wonderful thought to think that we know the Lord and know Him personally. Matthew chapter number 2, this morning we uh, brought our message from verses 1 through 6. We're going to continue in uh, Matthew chapter number 2, verses 7 through 11. And I want to use the uh, message tonight. Uh, Certainly it will continue part of the Christmas story, the birth of our Savior, and uh, uh, facts and circumstances around that. But I want to take what we read tonight, and I want to make some practical application to our life, some things that were true in our story that are, are still true today. And I love that about the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't just give us history of things that took place. We can see in that history the hand of God working, uh, the provision of God, the fulfillment of prophecy, the Bible coming true. And we can look at that and we can still be reminded of the hand of God working in our life and working in the day that we live. And so I trust that it'll be a help to us tonight. Matthew chapter number two, begin reading in verse number seven. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. I want us to use this passage uh, of Scripture tonight, and I want us to look uh, at uh, uh, verse number 9. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. I remind you very quickly, and after I pray, I'll, I'll give us just a reminder of what we looked at this morning in the preceding verses. Uh, but these wise men from the east, these uh, magi, these learned men, they came to find uh, the uh, Savior, they came to find He that is born King of the Jews. Uh, they asked everyone that they could find where He was, but I want us to see... Now that they're redirected, they find the star again. And I've titled this message just very simply, The Pursuit Continues. The Pursuit Continues. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity to be in church today. We thank you for the reminder of who we have in Christ and what he's done for us. We thank you for souls that have been saved today and how our hearts have been stirred by what you've done. Bless the service now in Jesus' name. Amen. I remind you very quickly of what we looked at this morning after Jesus was born Uh, These men came to Jerusalem asking the question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? 
as I uh, showed us this morning, uh, they asked everyone they came in contact with. There was no social media to try and find out. There was no uh, uh, community bulletin board. This is where Jesus was born. So they asked, where is he? And they, they asked person after person after person, and it troubled the city. Herod was troubled because, uh, obviously, here is a threat to his power, a threat to his throne, a threat to his position. Here is somebody uh, being declared that he is born king of the Jews. And not to re-preach that sermon, although I enjoyed preaching it this morning, I'd enjoy preaching it again, but uh, not to re-preach all of that. But they were there searching for the Son of God. They were searching for Jesus Herod, uh, having been troubled now, and the city being troubled for a lot of reasons that we'll not go back into this evening, uh, but he went to the scribes, the chief priests, as we saw this morning, and he says, where is he born? And I remind us once again, he never disputed the fact that he was born. We said, where is he born? They told him that in the scriptures, the prophets said he would be born in, in Bethlehem. So then we see in verse number 7, he calls these wise men together and has a discussion with them. He did so privily, privately, uh, out of the public eye. And we're going to under, we understand why, and I'll remind us in just a moment, but there's something I want to bring out concerning these wise men. We, if you think about this morning, and if you were in the service this morning, in the message this morning... You can, and from that perspective of them asking to the point where nobody had an answer. Now we saw from the scripture, the scripture tells us that the city was troubled. The city was, was disturbed. The city was agitated. And with that troubling came the anxiety that comes with being troubled. The uncertainty that comes with being troubled. The fear that comes from being troubled. And we looked at this story this morning from that perspective. But very quickly, let's just for a moment try and imagine it from the wise men's perspective. The frustration that they must have experienced when they came from the east, they came from another land, they're asking the Jews, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Can you sense and imagine the frustration they had studied they had seen the signs. They understood what was, what was taught and prophesied. They believed it. They packed their bags, if you will. They made a long journey. They come, and certainly the Jews will know where he that is born the king of the Jews in person after person after person after person had no answer for them. Can you imagine a frustration that must have set in? How come nobody knows? How come nobody can tell us? So Herod has a meeting with them, and Herod inquired what they knew. The Scripture tells us, when did the star appear? Then he sent them to Bethlehem because we know in the preceding verses, he goes to the chief priests and he goes to the scribes who copied the scripture so they would be aware of that. And they told him the, the prophecies are Bethlehem. This is where uh, the prophet said that he would be born. And so he sends them to Bethlehem. 
Now, Jerusalem to Bethlehem is not that far. Uh, it's not like it is today. You can get in a vehicle and drive there, but still, in, in proximity, it's not that far away. Herod didn't go himself. He sent the wise man and said, go in that direction. Verse 8, go and search diligently for the young child. They head towards Bethlehem. They see the star again. That's going to take them to the Lord Jesus. But now the pursuit continues. Uh, I'm going to make some practical applications, but let me just th- think of this for a moment. The, the wise men, when they got, that, got frustrated and nobody could give them the answer, and here comes direction from an unlikely source. They continued their pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. They continued their, their quest, if you will. What was their purpose? We had verse number two. Uh, it wasn't just the fact that they wanted somebody to tell him exactly where he was. It wasn't the fact that they wanted confirmation that he was born. They, didn't, they weren't asking for confirmation. They were declaring it as fact. We know this has happened. But their purpose was to come to him to worship him. I wonder how many times people who with the intent to worship our Lord, to worship God, has been thwarted when it hasn't been easy, when it hasn't been convenient, when they haven't got the answers that they thought they would get in the pursuit of what it is that they say they want to do. And we as Christians, many times, we say we just want to please our God. We just want to worship our Lord. We just, and by the way, we worship Him not just in song and not just in our giving and, and not just in, in our praise to Him, but we worship Him by the life that we live. We want to worship Him, but yet it's not always convenient to do that, is it? It's not always easy to do that. Sometimes the the way is cloudy, if you will, while you look for the one that is the object of your worship. But now the pursuit continues. There's such a practical application that. We're going to be very practical tonight. But the things that God wants you and I to do, the things that are good things, just because somebody else doesn't understand it, just because somebody else can't exactly point the way, doesn't mean the mission that we have of serving our God, pleasing our God, worshiping our Lord is one that we should give up easily. So now the pursuit continues. God uses a wicked, evil man, Herod, to point them in the right direction. We know he has motives. We didn't read past verse number 12, but in verse number 12, they're warned of God. They should not return Then God sends word to Joseph by the angel of the Lord for him to leave. And Joseph takes the child, Mary and the child, into Egypt. And in doing so, there's a lot of other prophecies that gets fulfilled because of this. Herod goes on to slaughter the children of that day, trying to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. He's unsuccessful. God uses this wicked man to point the wise man in the right direction. Now, let me just make four quick applications tonight as we consider the pursuit to worship the Lord by these wise men, the pursuit to to see him, to lay eyes on him. I want us to notice again verse number 9. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. I, I'm not, this isn't the point I want to make, but I want to reemphasize something I've already reemphasized. 
you know, they, they could have gotten discouraged, and they probably had some discouragement because nobody could tell them the answer. Now, here's another journey. Well, maybe it's not true, or maybe this isn't what the Lord has. Just because something's, if it's worth doing, it's not gonna, there's going to be some challenges. You know, we're going to fast forward, and when they see the Lord Jesus, you think they said to themselves it was worth it, making the long journey? But now they, they go, and they came, that star, they followed that star till it came and stood over where the young child was. Let me say number one, God always goes before and prepares the way. These men came to Jerusalem. What got them there? The star did. When nobody had the answer they were looking for, what was it that led them to where the child was? The star did. Yes, God used Herod in that conversation to point them in the direction, but it was the star that led them to the Lord Jesus. It was God leading and preparing the way for what these men were to accomplish. And friend, in your life and in my life, we got to be reminded that God will always lead and prepare the way. God never promises us in the journey of life that we will not run into a dead end. God never promises us that we, we won't be asking questions and have no answers and nobody seems to be able to tell us what we're looking for or point us to the right direction or it seems like we're, 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 people don't even understand what we're talking about. Understand something that God always leads, prepares, and provides a way. And in this instance, he used a star to show them exactly where the Lord was. In your life and my life, think about it. What is it we know that we're supposed to do, but sometimes there's some obstacles in the way, and we give up. Well, I just don't see how. Well, let me tell you who does see how. God does. Let me tell you who can provide a way. Well, well, there's nobody, nobody understands if God can use a wicked king to say, go that way, and then a star to show in God the way. God's already got it all planned out. God's already got it all prepared out. Well, I just, what's he going to do? You know, maybe he'll have a star. Uh, God always goes before and prepares the way, just as he did here. Did, was it a worthy thing for them to worship the child? You think God wanted that to take place? You think God, God would get pleasure out of that? Yeah. And just because there are obstacles and just because, well, then nobody else, I hear this, and, and sometimes it, it, I just want to go bang my head on a brick wall because, I, because it frustrates me so much. Well, nobody else is doing this, and nobody else, pastor, is trying to live this way, and nobody else uh, is trying to do, you know, their, their young people aren't doing this. And this, you know, in Jerusalem, if those wise men had the same attitude as everybody else, well, nobody else is concerned about where he is. Nobody else is concerned about worshiping the Lord. It didn't change the fact that they were there to worship the Lord. In order to do it, we've got to understand that God always goes before and prepares the way. Number two, on the hills of verse number nine, that star stood over where the young child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Follow Number two, following God's leading led to rejoicing. You know why there's a lot of Christians that have no rejoicing? Because they're not following God's leading. 
Well, what do I have to rejoice? Well, when you see the star over the destination and you followed, why did they say, had they seen the Lord yet? They had not. But that star was over where the Lord was, and they knew they had gotten to where God had brought them. I can imagine the joy that that, that overcame them as they decided to, to make that long journey. As they, as, they, as they inhaled all the dust that would be across that land and, and day after day after day, and finally we're in Jerusalem, surely they know where the king of the Jews was born. And the frustration and now pointed, and finally, there it is, the star. And friend, there's great rejoicing in your life and my life when we follow the leading of the Lord. and We follow his direction. And we don't stop at the first obstacle that we face. We don't stop when it seems like this is the dead end. But as soon as the Lord says go in that direction and sometimes he'll use unusual things and unusual people, but there's a star. And when you get to where God wants you to go, man, there's great, great rejoicing. Let's just be real and be honest. Along that journey, there probably wasn't a lot of rejoicing. It's, they're on the journey. Uh, even asking the question, there was probably a little bit of excitement when they got to Jerusalem. But even then, they didn't get the answer they were looking for. But when they saw the star, it was above where Jesus lay. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. There is great joy in following the leading of the Lord. Isn't that, a lot, isn't, that, isn't that a lot better ending than getting frustrated and turning around and going home? Isn't that a lot better than, than getting disenchanted and, and I'm just disillusioned by the fact that nobody in Jerusalem seemed to care and, and I'm just going to go back home? Isn't it better to just keep pushing through and then you get to where Jesus is, when you get to that destination that God had you pursuing, there's great and exceeding joy. Isn't that better than getting in an argument and, well, well, brother, brother so-and-so, you know, this, this other wise man, and, and uh, my camel was supposed to be the line leader today, and, and he made sure that he was the line leader, and, and this is two days in a row. We laugh, but, but Christians have left church for less, for things more petty than that, have gotten upset at another brother and gone home. You know what they've never seen? They've never seen the star settle over where the Lord is. So they can worship Him as He would have them worship Him. It's, it's, there's great rejoicing when you follow God's leading. Friend, get your eyes on the leading of the Lord. Don't be, don't, don't be discouraged by the journey. Uh, don't be discouraged by the answers of, of, of futility that you get from, from those around you. Don't be discouraged when it seems like you'll never get there. You just keep following that star, that leading. And when you get to that destination, there is great, great rejoicing. As the pursuit continues, they have come to where he is, but they haven't seen him yet. They've come to Jerusalem. They've left Jerusalem. They see that star we see in verse number 10. When they saw the star that was above where the Lord was, that showed them where he was, there was great and exceeding joy. But the pursuit continues, and this is such a... A, 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 a number three is going to give us just something, a, a good reminder 
Read with me again verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. Now, let me give you number three and I'll, point, I'll make this point. They didn't worship the star, they worshiped the child. The star showed them where Jesus was, but they didn't stay outside and worship the star. The star was the means that God used to get them to Jesus. But they went inside and worshiped Jesus. Well, we live in a day today where we pay more attention to the sign than we do to the Lord himself. We pay more attention to the means God uses than to the one who he's leading us to. And sadly, there will be multitudes that, that, that when they take their last breath in this life, they will be shocked to find themselves not in heaven, but in hell. And it's all because they put the focus on the sign and not on the Lord Jesus Christ. A good illustration of this, and some of you who've been to Israel will, will, will be able to relate to this. Uh, the first time we went especially, the second time we spared you a lot of this, but uh, you go, there's, there's two supposed tombs in Israel. One, which is the big tourist trap, if you will, is the, the Catholic version of where, the, where Golgotha was and where the tomb is. Boy, as soon as you enter into that place, you can feel the demonic spirits there. And you see the, the, the carrying on and the, and the worship of a supposed holy place. The people who have no understanding of the purpose of Christ laying down his life. As soon as you walk in, there's a slab of of stone there that, that they will tell you tradition says that this is where the body of, of Jesus was laid as it was prepared for the tomb. They get the wrong day that that happened too. By the way, let me just interject. If they can't add the days on a calendar, why are we trusting them for our doctrine? Anyway, this is, and you find, they have water running over, and you find people on their hands and knees rubbing their faces on this stone. They're worshiping a supposed sign and not the Lord. You go outside of the city, just outside the city walls, and there's what's called the, the garden tomb, and it's a whole different feel. It's a whole different spirit. And the account of the resurrection in the tomb it comes right from the Gospels. And they're quick to tell you, we don't know if this is the tomb. But it would be a tomb like this. It could be the tomb because everything that the Scripture says took place around that is there. The place of the skull is there. And I was asked the first time we went and the second time we went by, Pastor, do you think this is where the actual tomb? And my response is no, I don't know. And the reason is exactly what we just saw at the other place, because we're not to worship a sign, we're to worship the Savior. No, it's a different spirit and 
And it's an emotional thing to be there, to think, and it's all focused on not a, not a, not a cavern cut out of a stone, but the fact that Jesus isn't there. He, 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 he's, his body's not there. He, he, he laid down his life. He rose again from the dead. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in your life, in my life, you and I need to always be reminded it's all about the Savior more than the signs. They didn't stay outside and praise God for the star. They were rejoiced in the star. We're here. But that's not their final destination. They were there to see Jesus. They weren't there to see a star. And friend, you and I, we live in a world where people are, are they want to they worship the signs. And truth of the matter is, we as God's people, we can be caught up more in the signs than we can the Savior. And, and, and God gives us a pattern. God gives us some signs of the end times. So, Pastor, are you paying attention to the, to the end times? I am, but I'm looking up more than I'm looking at everything else. Because it's about when He comes. It's about Him. And there's a, don't, get, go, don't get sucked into that too much. Well, this sign and this sign and this sign and this sign. And He tells us to discern the times. But you know how we'll know when the rapture's taking place? Well, we ain't here no more. And yes, it's important to know that God is always moving things. It's part of His plan. But friend, it's interesting to point out that they got excited. They gave great joy because they knew the star had brought them to where Jesus was. But they didn't worship the star. They didn't say, we've come far enough. Let's go home and tell everybody about the star. You know, and I I thank God for the Emmanuel Mathers Church. And God uses... His church. But make no mistake, it's about Jesus. It's about the Lord. Number four is they, verse 11, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Number four, and finally, very simply, they presented gifts from their treasures. They had collected things that they were going to bring. They weren't coming to him empty-handed. Now, aren't you thankful that the Lord takes us as we are? Now, I have to qualify that. He won't take you as you are if as you are is a prideful heart towards him. But there's nothing you and I have to be other than repentant for him to accept us. But when they came to worship the Lord, they presented gifts from their treasures. Now, I'm thankful that we have a good God, aren't you? There's not one person in this building who can say honestly that God has not blessed them. God has not been good to them. God has not bestowed great gifts to them. But many times we approach our Lord with the mindset, what gifts is he going to give me? Now, friend, let me tell you, you serve God, he'll bless you. He'll be good to you. 
But him giving gifts to us is not us worshiping him. It's him being a good God. It's him giving us more than we deserve. It's his benevolence. We, so many times we say, look at what God has given me, and we mistake that for our worship to Him because God's being good to us. No, friend, if you worship Him, for a man to worship Him, there's got to be a gift of ourself. There's got to be a gift of our time. There's got to be a gift of our praise. There's got to be a gift of our sacrifice. There's got to be a gift of our, our goals and our, our dreams and our pleasures so that we can give that to Him. Friend, receiving from a good God is not worship. It is us bringing our gifts out of our treasures. That is the, a wor- the worship to him. They presented gifts. There's a lot of people, I imagine, that wanted to see Jesus, but they, they didn't want to bring him a gift. Now, the fact whether, whether or not they brought him a gift or not did not change who he was. But does it not make sense if these men from the east were going to travel all of that way on the back of an animal, come into a city, leave their homes, come into a city, that they were not native to. And if you understand the history of Jews and Gentiles, the Jews as God's chosen people, if you weren't a Jew, you're unclean. To go to experience all of that, and how 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 much would it have been different if they had finally got to him and they Went and they worked and they had nothing to offer him. Say, well, well, Pastor, we'll not get into the significance of the gifts. I don't have any gold. I don't have frankincense and I have myrrh. But what do you have? That's what was in their treasures. And there's a reason why they brought those particular gifts. But what gifts do you have? Well, I, I want to worship the Lord the way I want to worship him. Well, the one who is worthy of the worship, decides how he's worshipped. And so many wonderful practical applications from these wise men. Christian, in the pursuit of God, we start that journey, but along the way, we get to where God has for us to go. Do we stop? We make this application when it comes to our salvation of getting to Jesus. If you're saved tonight, I know the answer to this question, but aren't you glad you didn't stop in Jerusalem? Aren't you glad you didn't stop when you saw the star, but you went all the way in to the Lord? Well, if I can make this application as we pursue Him in our life, You know what the purpose of every one of us is? It's to worship Him. Along the way, there's going to be some unanswered questions that frustrate us. Are you going to, figuratively speaking, go home, go back to the east? Are you going to let somebody else's response to you and your pursuit keep you from going all the way? They 
found the star. They said, here, how many people are going to find? They got, so, they got close enough to where he was, but they didn't go all the way. Let's not be too enamored. And aren't you thankful you weren't enamored by a sign, but it was like, Jesus is who I got to get to. Jesus is who I got to have. Jesus is the one that I got to know. This is good for us to be reminded because we live in a day when everybody's about the signs and they're not about the Savior. What sign is there? What, what, what proof is there? Oh, these wise men had never seen you, but they weren't going to be dismayed. Along the way, let's be reminded, God always makes the way. And if we're truly going to be people of worship, it's not just receiving the good benefits of God. It's bringing Him a gift. There's a lot of Christians who will, on a Sunday, go to a quote-unquote worship service where no worship takes place. Because worship is about Him and what we give Him, our adoration of Him, our praise to Him, our giving to Him. Well, this is my life. I'm going to do it. You don't worship the Lord. These, these, are, these are the things that God's given me. Well, shouldn't you give them back to Him? Oh, during this Christmas season especially, as that pursuit continues, may we use these practical applications of this, this story and apply them as the Lord would have us apply them. I'm thankful for the church. I'll fight for the church. It's God's institution. But there's a lot of Christians who will fight for their, their church, but they won't fight for their Savior. May we keep those perspectives. I'm not telling you not to be loyal to your church. You should be loyal to your church because you're loyal to the Savior. But make no mistake about it, it's about the Savior. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Mom and Dad, along the way, as you rear your children, you want to rear them according to that book, there'll be some obstacles. There'll be some. You remember, it's about the Savior. As we pursue the things, remember, God makes a way. He goes ahead of us. He goes before us to make the way. Father, may we be reminded.